Welcome to Conspiracy Say What, part two of JFK losing his head a little bit. Uh, so last time we talked about how JFK got shot. Spoiler alert. Uh, if you didn't listen to the episode, you might want to go back and listen to it because we kind of are going to be going off of that. Uh, we went into the CIA and all that kind of fun stuff. So definitely go check that out before this episode. You might be a little confused. There's important stuff that you missed. Anyway, I'm Cameron. I'm Allie. Serena. <laughs> Jackie. That is the four of us. Uh, we're all back talking about JFK again in this weird, weird conspiracy. And just as a reminder to everyone, if you believe this is not a conspiracy, you are in the minority in this country, which is a funny little thing to me still. So Watch listen to the episode. The episode. Yeah. yeah. Go, listen, go listen to the episode. The only thing you really need to know, the only thing to kind of catch you up, uh, just in case you forgot, I guess, is that a bullet magically curved into an S and hit two people in a car. Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, who was drinking a soda at the time they entered the building after the shooting, uh, may or may not have been involved with this, hard to say. And the CIA might have killed the president. But they've actually never killed anyone. They've never killed anyone. That's right, yeah. Yeah. According to Alan, they've never killed anyone. You gotta take his word for it. But today, we are going to be going over one of the biggest components in my mind uh, for this whole thing, because they're just such a big part of American history in general. So the mafia, they are a fun group of people, I guess. You know, they've been running the country since like, I don't know, like the 20s, I think they were running the country. I don't know. That's what they want you to think. As far as I know, they really took over during times of like prohibition. That was kind of when they really got their foothold in America. They're well known for the fact that they often owned politicians. So they owned the politics in this country, at least roughly through the 40s, through like the 60s. And then they started to kind of die off from there. But they are still around, actually. Um, The mob does survive to this day. They're just not as politically savvy as they used to be. The American mafia started around 1931 by Salvatore Maranzano. However, the idea of a mob can be traced back to the 19th century. Yeah. So they, so again, for those who don't know, the mafia is kind of just, it's kind of an overarching term for a bunch of uh, mob families. All of these people kind of controlled the country at various, at, at various points. Some of them, their families still survive to this day and still control certain areas of the country. Uh, they get arrested for it periodically, but we still have mob bosses that go to prison. It's just kind of a rotating circle, but it's nothing like the 60s. The 60s, the mob was involved with all kinds of things, including the FBI. Uh, The president. That is one of the most important factors, I think, to bring up here. So one of the biggest things that we do know is that J. Edgar Hoover, uh, surprise, surprise, had big ties with the mob. For those who don't know, J. Edgar Hoover ran the FBI since its inception for about five decades. 50 years, one man was in control of one of the biggest bureaus in the world. So very, very dangerous man. Uh, that was J. Edgar Hoover. He also was known I think you mean have... Don Edgar Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> he was very well known to have a lot of mob ties. Uh, he also at one point was very good friends with Nixon, who was also known to have very big mob ties. Also, if you haven't heard us rant about Nixon and the FBI and how he ran it, go back to our older episodes because we brought it up in the Men in Black since that was largely a Nixon conspiracy in general. But Hoover was always there, like the vacuum that just wouldn't go away. 
So FBI was well known to have a lot of the Hoover vacuum. It's a vacuum. Anyway, uh, it's also a dam. Beyond this. <laughs> that Isn't joke the dam named after sucked. Hoover? What? Are you, yeah, are you trying to say, uh, say, are you trying to say Hoover sucked? Damn, Edgar Hoover sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the mob was something that controlled a lot of things. So for them to have a part possibly in the president's death is not surprising. In order to kind of understand this a bit more, you have to look at one of the easiest ones to look at, at least, is Carlos Marcelo. Uh, he was a huge crime boss until his death in the 90s. His family very much still lives on today. And according to multiple sources that I read from, the FBI believes that they still make billions every year off of their criminal activities. So they are very scary people. So Carlos Marcelo, he is well known for the fact that he had actually been threatening the lives openly of Robert F. Kennedy and John F. Kennedy consistently for years. They were in kind of a pissing match between the three of them. I mean, R and J were on one side and Marcelo was on the other. Uh, And this is kind of awkward because they were also both murdered eventually in a way that became a conspiracy. So yeah, they were both murdered publicly, both murdered by a gunshot that they should have, that should have been preventable in theory. And it's just very odd. The whole thing is very odd. So Anyway, throughout this whole thing, kind of the big player here is a man named David Ferry, who is a secretive CIA operative. He trained pilots for the Bay of Pigs. He uh, wrote piglets. I wrote piglets, the Bay of Piglets. Uh, <laughs> he, he trained pilots for the Bay of Piglets, and he was kind of one of the main players in that whole scenario. Everything seems to also tie back to the Bay of Pigs. Well, that was a huge, <laughs> so that was a huge thing for this country. For those who don't know, that was going to be like the whole thing where America came in and they saved Cuba from communism, and then we went there, and it was kind of like a Black Hawk Down situation where we really weren't ready for it, and there were too many of us that didn't really agree with it, so then we didn't really give all the resources we needed to to our military. Also, they just fumbled it like crazy. It was also mostly built. I saw a lot of people blame it on uh, John F. Kennedy. However, the idea of the Bay of Piglets was mostly built on the back of Nixon when he was vice president right before John F. Kennedy was elected. So Nixon was a huge part of this Bay of Pigs. Um, Now, the reason why this is important is because the Bay of Pigs actually more than it would have benefited America, it actually would have benefited the mob a lot. So when Castro took over, he pushed the mob out and he took out their casinos. He took out some of their biggest money makers, essentially. He was a huge aspect of their irritation. Uh, But David Ferry was kind of a connection that Oswald might have had to Carlos Marcelo. It's also believed that Ferry was possibly Marcelo's right-hand man. However, it's been lost in the records and nobody knows for sure, probably deleted or crossed out or whatever. Some people think that Ferry was actually a double agent for the CIA, or he was a double agent for the CIA working actually for Marcelo, which would make him like a triple agent. So he was pretending to work for Marcelo for the CIA, when in reality he was working for Marcelo, working against the CIA. Double, double conspiracy agent. Conspiracy on conspiracy on conspiracy. Whoa. Super twisty. Yeah. Man was Jesus. like a Twizzler, just consistently twisting. Anyway, so. <laughs> a Twizzler of conspiracy. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest reasons why Ferry's name pops up is because he was involved with the CIA. So he knew of CIA plans to kill a mob boss uh, instead of a Cuban head. So essentially, the CIA had plans to kill one of uh, Castro's people 
wasn't Castro himself, but they were planning on poisoning one of his people. That plan ended up getting shoved to the side. And then that exact plan, believed with the same poison pills they were going to use that came from the CIA directly, uh, were then used to kill a random mob boss that happened to have a rivalry against Marcella. So that is where Ferry may or may not have been working for Marcelo, or maybe he was so deep that he just had to kill the mob boss for Marcelo. Who knows? But they're pretty sure it was the same poison pills that the CIA had. need a map to get here. What? (laughs) I said you need a map to get here. Like, there's so much, like, to the layers of what's going on. And I tried to simplify this as much as possible. There's, like, four other mob bosses that are involved in this. Marcelo is the key between all of them, so he's the easiest one to go through. There are multiple mob bosses. We just watched a documentary again last night that talked about how many mob bosses there actually were involved with this. And even that skimmed on some of them. Right over my head. So, yeah. So anyway, so the idea that uh, the CIA plan to kill Castro was later used to kill Kennedy, which I think we briefly brought up last time, uh, is not really that out there when a mob boss had already been killed by CIA plans and possibly their own double agent. So it puts this weird spin on everything that's happened. Uh, Going back to Oswald, though, and pulling away from Ferry a bit, Oswald was absolutely 100%, no matter what the Warren Report wanted you to believe, tied to the mob, 100%. Uh, the like reason why, fact, yes, not just conspiracy. No, it is not conspiracy. The reason why he was tied to the mob was a man named Dutz Murrett, who is believed to have known Marcelo. He knew tons of other mob heads. He definitely knew Marcelo. So this was basically ignored by the Warren Commission. But essentially who Dutz Murrett is, is he is someone who helped raise Oswald, from what I understand. A lot of Oswald's ideals, a lot of kind of what he learned growing up came from this man who was kind of like this side adoptive figure in terms of like teaching Oswald things that he knew. Uh, So there's Oswald's tie to the mob, and that's where it starts. And we don't really know how far it extends, but we know that Oswald knew certain people uh, in those circles. So whether or not he was involved with the killing is one factor, whether or not he was involved in some ways with the mob, whether he wanted to be or not, he was guilty by association, regardless. So that's one of those aspects that's really important. It was something that the Warren Commission didn't even bother to mention So going into the Warren Commission, uh, this is something that was, I put ignored by them. I, it's hard to tell whether or not they actually knew about it secretly. Anyway, here's what happened. Uh, So there is a man named Bob Vanderslice. He was an informant for the IRS specifically. So there is a quote by, uh, or an FBI memo from 1977 And this says the informant, which is Bob Vanderslice, stated that on the morning of the assassination, Jack Ruby contacted him and asked if he would like to watch the fireworks. He was with Jack Ruby and standing at the corner of the Postal Annex building facing the Texas School Book Depository building, which is where Oswald worked and where the shooting is believed to have occurred at the time of the shooting. As if that's not fucking obvious. Yeah. So... (laughs) Uh, so Bob Vanderslice is an informant. Now, informants lie all the time. They have reason to lie. They get jail time off. They get leniency, you know, uh, whatever they get. But the account then goes on to say that Ruby, right after the shots, Ruby then walked away without saying anything. Now, this also kind of actually tracks because Ruby was known to be consistently around all of these events for the next 48 hours. 
So regardless of what the Warren Commission said, we have other investigators that say opposite, government investigators that say opposite. So remember, that's part of why this is such a big conspiracy, is this is the only one of the biggest conspiracies where the government contradicts themselves. Uh, And the first time in American history where one commission completely contradicted and got rid of another commission's report. Yeah. which is mm-hmm. the two different reports right which is the house committee on assassinations which was put together to quell the fears of americans that this was a conspiracy all they did was add to the fact that this was a conspiracy so uh good on them actually <laughs> layers on layers on layers in that way vander slice is heavily debated though uh he was kept a secret nobody knew about him publicly this memo went to the fbi and seemingly went into the void of thousands of documents. Nobody really completely knew what was going on with this until 2018 when the 55,000 documents were released. We talked about that last time. Uh, some of the documents weren't. And that was because Trump did block them. And we don't know whether or not Biden will. If he doesn't, then in October, we will find out probably everything there is to know about this case. Talking about Vanderslice here. Uh, so like we said, he was a direct criminal informant for the IRS, uh, specifically to Agent Arlen Fuhlendorf. So these people have the best names, don't they? I know. <laughs> so Fuhlendorf, uh, he is quite the interesting character. So he got this information. He, he's not very helpful because he got this information and he just immediately claimed that Vanderslice was lying about this whole event with JFK. Even though he then says in the same interview, he then goes on to say that Vanderslice has been instrumental and consistent in helping as a snitch to catch criminals for the IRS and the FBI. Like pretty much every lead that they've ever gotten from Vanderslice, almost all of them turned out to be true. So why this man would be lying right now of all times is beyond me. Uh, So because of this, Mr. Fuhlendorf did not want to tell the FBI. He wanted to remove the comment from the record. Uh, so he tried to hide it. He was then forced uh, by higher ups to send it to the FBI. So he did that in 1977, but we don't actually know when he gave this account. I tried to figure it out and every single source gave a different time. So I don't know when he actually gave this account, which is why either the Warren Commission ignored it or it did actually go to the FBI in 77 and they just didn't really have anything to do with it at that point in time because there was nothing to do anymore. So this was such a weird thing because I haven't seen a lot of people bring it up. Vanderslice, that's why he's so heavily debated because some people are like, well, he's a criminal. You can't believe him. Most of the people in this are criminals, honestly. You can't really, Nixon is part of this and he's a criminal. Like you can't trust any of them at this point in time. So the whole thing is confusing. Um, Okay, so that is just kind of some of the weirdness here, but we've talked a lot about Jack Ruby. We haven't really gone into Jack Ruby, though, so I do want to go a bit more into Jack Ruby. So let's just talk about who the fuck Jack Ruby is, right? Jack Ruby, as like the shortest version that I can give, he was a strip club owner with ties to organized crime in the Dallas area. This is proven. This is well-known. Mob heads used to visit his strip club all the time. Was this, this was well-known at the time, or did this come out after? This was also well-known at the time. Because now, it was said by the Warren Commission that, that he... No, that's what I'm about to get into. Yeah. 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 He absolutely had no ties to the mob. So building into that. So he, uh, he had ties to organized crime. We have phone records that show that uh, about a month before this all happened, he had somewhere in the ballpark of 50 calls from different mafia heads. Yeah, 
he knew them very, very well. It's just, it's easy to tell that he did. He also had ties to the police. He was often arrested because he was very violent and he was never convicted until he eventually shoots Oswald. Uh, and his arrests included assaults and carrying concealed and illegal weapons. So he was constantly arrested. I mean, like tons of times, like innumerable amount of times. Like sometimes they didn't even put it on the record, apparently, is what most people said. And they did put most, multiple of them on the record. But they never prosecuted him. They always let him go like the next day. So, yes. But yes, as you said, the Warren Commission claimed that Ruby had no strong ties to criminal organizations. Even though he had been routinely arrested, he had no ties to crime as well. That's also what they said. He was not a Just man a involved with crime. Wait, so he the, been, yeah, the exact yeah. the exact uh, phrase that they use is based on the evaluation of the record. The commission believes that the evidence does not establish a significant link between Ruby and organized crime. Both state and federal officials have indicated that Ruby was not affili- affiliated with organized crime activity. Mm-hmm. That's all I say. Yeah, that's hey, that's exactly like, what you say if he was or. Uh, involved with organized crime, in my yeah. opinion. But they, he, like he literally yeah. has arrest record. They did go on to say that he does have some shady dealings. Mm-hmm. Whatever the fuck that means, that means he's tied to organized crime and someone like it's just semantics. That's all they're doing. Uh, they're just playing semantics. They wanted this as clean as possible. I know we talked about that last time. So essentially, what this ended up doing though is this this history of his with the cops and with the mob did give him a very big ease of access to the basement area of the jail, which in theory was closed off except for to like media personnel and journalists. But the cops there, again, arrested him. From what I read, like, it was anywhere from like 20 to like 30 something times he had been arrested consistently over the course of the years. Uh, really? So it's not like they didn't know him. So And just would, walked away every time? Yeah, he walked no, away. He was I, never I prosecuted. Have, I have eight times by Dallas police. So I guess, I don't know. This is by Dallas police department. So eight times right. just by them. We don't know. He elsewhere. was arrested in other states and cities as well. But um, here's some, he here's his strip club. Yeah. Oh, I see. Here's some of the things that he was arrested for. Okay. Disturbing the peace, carrying concealed weapon, arrested for allegedly permitting dancing after hours. So apparently Dallas is, is the town where Footloose yeah. <laughs> took place now. <laughs> allegedly violating state liquor laws, violating a peace bond. So stuff like that, where it's just like kind of a bad whole rap, but like, I don't know. That's kind of the same rap that I would expect of a guy who had mob ties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, he walked away. So he walked away from every time he had been arrested. I did read that um, some police did eventually admit that they didn't always file reports either. So sometimes they would just slap him on the wrist and just let him go. Uh, they knew who he was, though. So this man sneaking into the basement, as the Warren Commission kind of claims that he did with the journalists, not going to happen. The cops knew who he was. So they're not going to see his face and be like, who the fuck are you? They know exactly who he is. And they know he's not a goddamn journalist. So there's no reason for him to be down there. But we already talked about the guards and the police were also very weird. They paraded Oswald around. And this is what ends up leading to his death because they're actively parading him around in these small rooms, in open areas. Like they're just asking for him to get shot at this point. Honestly, like they might as well just put a sign over his neck that says, shoot me, because that's what it feels. Especially after a public assassination has literally just happened. And they're like, I think the best way to go about this is probably just also have a parade route for the Harvey Oswald. Right, guys? (laughs) Like, why didn't they just give him a shirt? Like, I'm a 
arrested. Hurt me. Like that's like the first one. Target. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so we know that he entered this uh, closed-off basement area pretty much just as he wanted to. Oswald, when he's shot, he enters like this last open corridor. This is the last place where the media is, and uh, this is one of the things that. I think is very weird. So when Oswald is moved around the prison, if you watch the videos, which there are multiple videos, these are not conspiracy videos, they're just videos of him being moved around. Guards are in front of him at all points in time until the last corridor. The last corridor, the guards move to the side and only two guards are with him. And I mean, all guards are around him, but like directly next to him. Yeah, there's like the two. And they're holding his arms. arms. Yeah. They're both holding his arms. There's no one to protect him in front of him anymore, which is the only time this has happened, which means the room that Jack Ruby happens to be in is also the room that happens to have no guards in front of Oswald. It's one of the weirdest videos that I have watched over and over and over again, because it is just so strange to see this. And then- What's the expression of the police officers when he gets shot? Are they like, oh no, my goodness, what happened? So I didn't even notice this like the first time through, because like when you first watch it, it's like such like a jarring moment where you're like, okay, he gets shot. And then everyone seems to crowd around uh, Ruby. However, only like two or three cops actually grab Ruby. That's it. Like this. They kind of, I don't know. I I feel like they kind of just looked like pretty deadpan. So that's the thing. So then I rewatched the video and I was looking, and there's a whole line of guards, and not only do they not show any emotion to this gunshot going off, they don't flinch. They don't change their expression. They just keep staring. It's really weird. And like a gunshot just went off in a small room. I don't know how many people that are listening have ever heard a gunshot up close. It's jarring when you know it's going to happen. Like, they're loud. Yeah. And especially in an echoey chamber filled with reporters, these guards just don't even, they don't care. So they were, like, expecting it. Yeah, that's what it seems like. I mean, that's honestly what it looks like. That's very subjective. Uh, but, I mean, seriously, like, if a gun goes off in a small crowded space like that and people don't freak out, that's a bit odd. You would think people expect it. I mean, that's honestly just what I would think. Uh Ruby is eventually convicted. He's sentenced to death until around 1967 when it's announced that he wasn't given a fair trial and that they were actually going to bring it back into the public spotlight. Shortly after this was announced, Ruby suddenly had cancer, which I'm not going to say they induced cancer into Ruby or anything like that. But (laughs) right after, right after he announces that he has cancer, suddenly... He dies specifically of a pulmonary embolism, which is an obstructed artery. He immediately dies, like, very shortly after. After he announces. After they announce that the trial is going to happen, and right after he says he has cancer. And then suddenly he dies of um, a pulmonary embolism, which, again, obstructed artery. So that's kind of odd because that honestly, like, what I read, I read multiple sources. I even looked up multiple, like, health sites and things like that. That's not, cancer is not really a reason for that to happen. So it feels odd that this happened and everything i read originally said that he died like he had cancer and he never made it to trial that's true but they're skipping the middle like, part the middle part is the the cancer part didn't kill him. yeah so that's the really really weird thing also also can did you go over his motive for why he killed lee harvey oswald so this is just off of of reading the warren commission's report based off of everything. This is from the Warren Commission's report itself. Jack Ruby specifically asked for a polygraph test. He asked for it himself. They didn't offer it. He just really wanted to take it. 
uh, in the polygraph, the exact wording that they asked him was, did you shoot Oswald in order to save Mrs. Kennedy the ordeal of a trial? And he answered yes to that. He also answered that he did not know Oswald at all beforehand. He didn't conspire to shoot Oswald until that morning that he did it. And uh, later they were, when they were interpreting the polygraph, they said that the only way that it is admissible is if he is not psychotic. And although he has a psychotic depression, which I'm guessing is bipolar, like, or something like that. That is the same back as then. bipolar, but it's been renamed. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Okay. The people who uh, interpreted it said that he, or I think maybe that gave him a mental evaluation so that he seemed in touch with reality. So I think that the answers could be admissible. Although, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why he would uh, elect to take a polygraph test. Well, and I don't know why they would give a polygraph test to someone who they had already decided at that point wasn't of his right mind. They said it was hysteria essentially induced by the president being killed. And they tried to kind of commend him as like more of a psychotic hero than anything else. Someone who wasn't in control of their own uh, faculties. This guy who is a criminal and he owns a strip club and he's tied to the mob. Yeah. They really tried to paint him as a hero. I mean, really, if you look at him, you know, just like the CIA, he's never killed anyone. So I think it's the best way to look at him. But yeah, so it's kind of odd. I don't know. It's it's weird that the Warren Commission just kind of completely ignored him. It's not weird, but it is weird as like a commission that's supposed to be investigating this. So going back into kind of the main point about Ruby with the Warren Commission, they said he had no criminal affiliations. Okay. They said they interviewed him multiple times over the course of their investigation and it loosely quoted, they said that he was, or he said that he was in danger and wanted to tell the whole truth, but couldn't unless he was put in a safe place. He told the Warren Commission this multiple times and they ignored him. He said he couldn't tell them the truth unless he was safe. Now, the funniest part about this is that they didn't take it seriously and they also told him that they have no means to give him police protection, which is true and untrue. Uh, they could have tried to work to give him police protection. They could have tried to work to put him into a safe place, in theory. They chose not to because they did not care. And now he's dead. Right. Uh, and eventually the House Select Committee later found that he was most likely involved in the crime. And they found that he had actually become frantic after not being able to contact Oswald in the 48 hours after JFK peaced out, right? So their belief officially was that Ruby was forced into silencing Oswald out of fear that he would speak. Uh, This may have also been the plan at the movie theater that Oswald was arrested in, essentially that he was going to kill Oswald. This is especially apparent when the House Committee learned that Ruby had been stalking Oswald's movement for the last, for at least 24 hours after Oswald's initial arrest. It was proven that Ruby had been stalking him. Super interested. And not only did the Warren Commission originally claim these two didn't know each other. Until the end. Sorry. No, it's good. It, It was proven through phone records that he was calling Oswald. So he absolutely knew Wait, him. so there's a direct connection. There's direct connections. Yeah. The House Committee did a hell of a job researching this. They spent three years, which is more than triple the time that it took the Warren Commission to investigate this. They did a real investigation, and they found a conspiracy. So it's a bit, again, this is a weird contradiction to the government. Like, it's just contradicting itself. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the only reason why different. it's a conspiracy is because the Warren Commission didn't do enough research to begin with. So it'll go again. Anything that goes against it, which could be pretty much anything if you do any research, <laughs> is a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that that's like, I know it's a lot of information. Ruby is a huge character in this. Uh, he also did also later state after his conviction originally, he stated that there are things that he cannot say but that he wishes he could essentially say, but his life was on the line, which is why it makes it even more strange that once his trial was supposed to pop back up and this all would have been brought right back into the limelight, he suddenly dies. Mm -hmm. It's very odd. He was perfectly fine. Granted he had cancer or whatever, which was again announced after this, but he didn't die of the cancer. He died of a clogged artery. So it's a weird case. Now, because that's so much information, I do kind of want to tie this up very succinctly, uh, kind of a smaller way, which bringing back into uh, this is Marcelo. Marcelo is one of the biggest things. So going back to the beginning of this, Marcelo, as we know, wanted the FKs dead, right? FK? Yeah, FKs, Robert and John, FKs. Did they both They both F were FKs, lives? yes. Oh. Yep, it was RFK and JFK. Oh. <laughs> so anyway... I was ready to call you dumb. <laughs> anyway, Bobby and John, uh, he wanted them dead. Now, this all, like I said, has to do with Cuba and specifically Havana. Once Castro took over, they lost complete control of Havana. The mob did, uh, which wasn't actually going to be a problem until Nixon didn't become president like everyone had planned. So what ended up happening is uh, Kennedy's father, the Kennedy's father who had mob ties, he convinced the mob to put his sons in a better position. They thought this was going to get them political favor. So they then tried to move the working class towards voting for Kennedy. Kennedy gets elected over Nixon. Kennedy goes after the mob, which is not what they wanted. It's not even neutral. It's just a complete attack against them. And not only did John go against the mob, Bobby was instrumental in attacking the mob. He was probably one of the very few good politicians that we've ever had. He was a good guy in general and just one of the best four people in general. So he was a problem. Uh, they did not want to listen to the mob at all. So this meant that Marcelo was not going to get back Havana and neither were the other mob heads. Uh, so he needed JFK and RFK out of his way. Um, so specifically, Marcelo's issue was actually with Bobby. It was with Robert Kennedy. He had not only detained Marcelo while he tried to re-enter the country because he was from, uh, he's from, I think, South America or something like that. Uh, he detained him on his way back. He then deported him and didn't allow him back in the country. And they supposedly actually left him to die in the middle of the jungle. So that was one of the things that supposedly happened. He did survive, however. Um, and this is why he had such a vendetta against the Kennedys. Um, he was actually eventually supposedly quoted by an informant as saying that after John F. Kennedy died and before Robert Kennedy died, he was quoted as saying, uh, it should have been Rob, it should have been Bobby. So in reference well, the, to which Kennedy I mean, died, Bobby died. The, well, Bobby eventually dies, but they think, so like John F. Kennedy dies and in theory, this should be good for the mafia. When in reality, all it does is inspire Bobby Kennedy to just further attack them. And then he runs for president, which is a huge issue. That is a giant issue. Because if Bobby Kennedy had become president, 
he might have completely destroyed the mob. He was already doing very well as attorney general. He was decimating them and he was winning. And that's a huge issue. Nobody else had really beaten the mafia. But going back to it, what better way to kill JFK than by using the CIA, using their Patsy Oswald, who had connections to them because of how he was raised. He was someone that they weren't directly connected to. He was someone that was easy to get rid of because he didn't really work for the mob as far as I could tell. He just knew them and had worked like... I think guilty by association is the best example. I think he had connections to the mob. I don't think they were connections he wanted. I think he was stuck in that life. But he also was for Castro, and so was JFK. So to get rid of two birds with one stone, you have two people that are against the mob and who are in the limelight. I mean, we know there's plenty of videos on Oswald showing that he was publicly like going for Castro, pushing the Cuban yeah, ideals. Yeah, like handing out flyers yeah. and shit. So you get rid of, <laughs> right, so, so you get rid of two people that don't have your ideals, two nuisances gone with just a single death. It's the easiest thing. The only thing is Oswald didn't necessarily go down the way they expected. He might have died and he was supposed to die in a movie theater, supposedly is one of the conspiracies. And that means that they had to find another way to shut him up. Jack Ruby was an easy patsy. So why do you think that he went to the movie theater? And like, do you think they told him to? I think, yeah, most likely. He brought a gun to the movie theater. We know that for sure. He brought a mm-hmm. revolver. Now, I think he probably brought the revolver out of fear for his own life after hearing probably shortly about JFK's death. I have a feeling he probably knew about it. He was in the same building. He might have had agents talk to him. It's hard to tell which side of those stories are true. Um, I think he was probably scared, but the mafia is not something that you could like, they don't call you and say you have to do something and you can just hang up the phone and be like, no, thank you. This is not like a telemarketer. This doesn't work that way. So he would have had to confront them. I think Oswald went to the movie theater to kill Ruby. I think he was going to kill Ruby to get rid of his problems. And I think he was going to try and leave because Ruby would have been that direct connection. And I think after that, everything would have been fine, but that didn't happen. Or at least that's the perspective Oswald had. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. I don't think he was, he was so much of a shooter to begin with because like when they arrested him at the theater, he pulled a gun on the officer, but he never shot it. Yes. And I don't think he was, he wasn't out to kill anyone innocent. I think he was out to kill Ruby if he had to, I think it was a Mm self-defense thing. And again, Ruby was stalking him for at least 24 hours, at least 24 hours. This was proven. He was, he was apparently noticed multiple times walking around the prison or like the, uh, the police precinct, like outside of it. He was noticed inside of it. Why nobody told Ruby to get the fuck out is beyond me. I don't really because understand. They know he's part yeah. of the mob. Yeah. yeah, and also because he was probably like, they were like, hey, you need to go check this guy out before you, you know, get, get a feel for him before we have you whack him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave two guards off of him in one closed off room so that yeah. he can't escape. You can just shoot him really easy. Uh, and then Batman <laughs> they probably had like nice maps drawn out, like some images, but like, this is the orientation they'll be standing in. You know, here's where you'll be. Yeah. It's probably very organized. I mean, at as, this point, you know, organized crime is. <laughs> at this point, that's how it seems. And just to kind of uh, finish this off, tie it up very neatly, just so everyone understands how much the mafia actually controlled and how much they were involved with the FBI and with the American government in general. Uh, They had their hands all over the place. But just as a good example, once Bobby died, all convictions for the mafia stopped for a while, pretty much until J. Edgar Hoover disappeared or, you know, died, disappeared from the planet, was gone, wasn't part (laughs) of the FBI. He once 
he left the FBI, that's when there were convictions again, but his ties to the mafia kept them from being convicted after that. And multiple court cases that were in session are, you know, like continuing, um, continually going at the time that uh, Robert Kennedy was alive. They stopped after his death and those people were let go. So to prove the mob ties, they had very strong ties and the Kennedys were the only factor really holding them back. So those two brothers actually did a lot of damage to organized crime. So do you think that whoever was in charge of the FBI was doing convictions, but said, you know, if you kill both the Kennedys, then we, we will stop convicting against the mafia. I think that the, I think that what probably ended up happening is J. Edgar Hoover was very, very strong as a force, but the Kennedys in the sixties were stronger. They were the president and the attorney general, which is much more powerful than one FBI director. I think what ended up happening is most likely Hoover told the mafia that he couldn't do anything about the convictions until those two were out of the picture. And I think he kind of just left it at that. And that's kind of what it sounds like. If you want to go with the whole mafia thing, um, that's kind of what it sounds like is they didn't really have a choice. It was either the Kennedys go or they go and they didn't want to go. They had already lost Cuba. They didn't have anywhere to go, honestly. I mean, one of them was being deported consistently. Another mob boss was being followed because Robert Kennedy put a detail on him like every single day. Like one guy in the documentary we watched said that uh, the guy couldn't get up to go to the bathroom without FBI agents just following him. So they they were on top of the mob bosses and they had them pretty well held down uh until of course john f kennedy died and then they thought it was over seemingly and then sure enough the other fk just shows back up and starts persecuting them again so or prosecuting them again so yeah it's i don't know i i think that the fbi is not completely innocent in it if anything i think they probably knew a bit about it we also know that they withheld information from the warren report so that's also been proven that was proven by the house committee you're talking about the fbi did yeah, the FBI and the yeah. CIA both did. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that was proven. But also, Dulles was on the CIA, where it was on the Warren Commission. He's not going to give away secrets from the CIA. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but that's okay. that's essentially the mafia. There's there's a lot more, even. I tried to make that as succinct as possible. Uh, it's Those are the most important points. But, I mean, like, we could do episodes and episodes on just what the mafia did alone during this time. I mean, there's even stories about how like some of the mobsters were, they claimed that like they were supposedly called up because it was going to be called off. And then they said, fuck it, we're going to do it anyway. And then they were there to witness the shooting. There's some people that claim that they were part of the mob and that they were there. So there's plenty, plenty of weird circumstances around this. Mm. Does anybody else have anything about the mob? Does anyone have anything about the mob? (laughs) It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah, that was yeah. a lot to pack into one episode. <laughs> and the mob was quite a rabbit hole, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I found myself going down like multiple routes of the mob too and trying to figure out how to make it the cleanest as a, like cleanest case possible. Like it was difficult. Uh, I don't really see, I will say like, I think the biggest issue that I came across is that you don't have to mention every mob head when you're investigating this, I guess, though they're doing an investigation, the Warren Commission was, so it would have been nice. But to not mention Marcello is a huge fault on the Warren Commission because he was very obviously a main player in this. He had sent literal death threats to both of the FKs 
Like, yeah, but we already know that the Warren Commission was was set up to prove what they already wanted to say. Mm-hmm. It wasn't to gain the truth. It was to say, this is exactly what happened. We were right all along. <laughs> Here's <Yeah>. why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if our theories are magical and stupid. <laughs> Even if the bull has to make a left turn, it, it can be done. <laughs> Um, so who's ready to talk about aliens? Ooh, me. Um, so let's talk about JFK and UFOs. Kind of and, dipping back into the CIA, right? Yeah, this, yeah. this connects back to the CIA again, obviously. But also, but what doesn't? When you think JFK, <laughs> don't, doesn't everyone immediately also think UFOs? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he was the one that was really getting into the space race and stuff, so it, 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 only, it only tracks. My favorite yeah. quote from him. The exact quote is, uh, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And I really don't know what the other things are. Never elaborated. <laughs> I and doubt he does too. The hard things. Those hard things. <laughs> the hard things. <laughs> yeah, they're doing the hard things. <laughs> so JFK likes space. He wanted to go to space. However, this is also a period of time where UFOs and UFO sightings were real big. <laughs> it was pretty common in culture and i mean this was shortly after i think it was what the 40s where it really started to blow up with the whole like ufos and alien thing so it really blew up in 1947 it had already started um which we've actually talked about randomly in our hollow earth episode i believe it's part three uh but we talked about in our hollow earth episode it started in 1947 uh really really big because the roswell incident yeah bum 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 Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Which we've talked about as well. We're done episode. So basically there's, you know, there's already theories flying around and the government knows more about UFOs than they're willing to tell people, right? So the theory here is that JFK wanted access to the UFO files and he was not allowed. And so because he was poking around too much, uh, he was killed by the CIA for his interest in UFOs. So it really is like still part of like the he was killed by the CIA thing, but then you kind of lump aliens into it. <laughs> so it's not even just because, uh, you know, he already didn't like the CIA. It was because he was sticking his nose where it didn't belong. So um, he there, there are really like two main pieces of evidence for this theory. Um, some of them are a little like sketch you know we don't really know how valid they are but so one of them is a letter written by jfk to the cia which he basically demands to see the secret ufo files so basically he wants access to all of the quote high threat cases that are reviewed um so he can identify the real classified um ufo sources and so he is trying to look into it as a like basically a security concern and especially since he's planning to go to space he's like hey i need to know like what's going on with the alien sitch like what do you know about it get back to me now this this letter was written 10 days before he was shot and it states that he needs to see a report no later than february of 1965 which is only three months after he was shot so basically, he's killed right in the middle of this. 
However, there is a question with this specific letter on whether it's authentic because the guy who published it seems to be the only one to have it. <laughs> Wait, only three months after he was shot? That's two years after he was shot. That would have been 1964. Would have been three months. He was shot in 1963. No later than, oh yeah, that's a four. No later than February 1st, 1964. is what he says at the end of the letter. Might be. So three months after. But yeah, anyway, there is a question on whether or not this is authentic because the guy who has, like, posted this whole thing seems to be the only guy that has it. <laughs> so he claims to have gotten it from a freedom of information request, which is basically how you have to get any of these things anyway. And um, although I think we mentioned in the last episode that JFK keeps, he kept carbon copies of all of his letters and even the top secret ones. However, there is no record of this specific letter in his carbon copies. And there's a specific library that has all of them, and they don't have it either. So um, there's a quote by one of the technicians at that specific library. I didn't write down which one it was. Um, but they said, something is a little odd about it. It is sanitized in very odd places. And sanitized means like redacted, like there's black marks in weird places. Uh, the director's name, the top heading of the document, which usually distinguishes which agency is generating it, and then the tiny top secret print at the top of the letter. Top secret items are usually stamped in large dark ink on the letter. So it's already like a little weirdly set up even. Um, I have the letter in here and I will post it in the newsletter as well. So you can see it. Uh, but it's argued that this letter is like a missing link to the whole conspiracy because it's like the it's like the proof that JFK was getting involved in some kind of like crazy UFO cover up by the government and they didn't like that. So that's the first piece of evidence with aliens. <laughs> the second is a note called it's kind of referred to as the burned memo. And it's from a senior CIA official that says, quote, we cannot allow the president to see classified material. Now, this one is also a little questionable because uh, allegedly this ex-CIA guy pulled the memo from a fire that was meant to be burning on top of old secret, uh, old top secret files. And allegedly, so this is what the memo said, we actually don't even have like a copy of the memo, which is why I keep saying allegedly, like the other note I have a picture of, like we have the supposed letter, but this one supposedly said, Lancer, which was the CIA's code name for JFK, has made some inquiries regarding our activities, which we cannot allow. Please submit your views no later than October. Your action to this matter is critical to the continuance of the group. And no later than October, Makes sense, because he was shot in November. So, you know, we need to plan this in time to get the assassination going. So this is one of those things where, like, the timeline kind of lines up, but the evidence is a little, like, sus. <laughs> but there, there really is no question that JFK was poking around trying to find information about UFOs, and he himself stated three reasons why, three main reasons why he was, like, super interested in UFOs. So his main concern was that if UFOs are real, then the Soviets may mistake them as U.S. airships trespassing on their airspace. So he was worried that a UFO would basically start a war with Russia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
that's that's a fair worry if they are real like you never know yeah because it would it wouldn't show up on radar right so they'd think like oh it's the u.s like doing something i guess um so he was worried about that which i don't know like what he would do with the information of like yeah sir there are ufos okay well like now what is he gonna do (laughs) tell russia there's aliens it's not us but his his second thing was uh i mean obviously he was interested in space travel and he mentioned before that life in outer space is on the forefront of everyone's minds so he just kind of like that seemed more like curiosity to me like if we're gonna go to space like just tell me if there's aliens you know tell me if we know something about visitors from out there and also this was like the last reason was like it was already kind of a hot time for ufos and he kind of just wanted to like clear the air with everything and be like is it is it there is it not (laughs) just tell the people trying to build relations with cuba trying to find ufos and take down the mob (laughs) this guy was why he's dead (laughs) this guy's a badass president though his agenda was very interesting and i respect it he wore many hats but in the end he needed one helmet (laughs) <laughs> oh, should he just make that up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, yeah, so basically this is like a continuation of the CIA theory, um, but you include the fact that JFK was trying to get into, he, he like stumbled upon a whole UFO cover-up in the government, and they didn't like that either. So My, my favorite thing about this whole UFO thing, just to go on a quick rant, is that so many presidents have been like, I'm going to prove the UFO thing. And then they go in there and they're like, sorry, guys, couldn't find anything. Cut to last year. The government was finally like, here's all these UFO files we've never released, which means that every president that has told us, I have asked about the UFO files and they, sh- they told me that there is nothing and they've shown me that there is nothing. So there's nothing I can give to you has lied literally just straight up yeah. lied at this or point. been lied to or been lied to which would not be surprising i mean either way there's lies I, I just like i can't imagine being one of those presidents yeah. just sitting there like what the fuck like you guys could have told me <laughs> yeah they're like hey so are aliens real they're like oh yeah totally we have so much evidence so like oh we should tell people it's like no no <laughs> can you do that in george w bush voice can I, can I, can I see if aliens are real? <laughs> like, no, like, I, uh, they're like, yes, aliens are real. And then he's like, oh man, I did not think that aliens will be real at all. This is crazy. Can I, can I uh, tell people? Can I tell my wife? No. Oh, well, all right. I mean, I don't know if anyone would believe me anyways. <laughs> Those may or may not be direct transcripts. It's hard to say. <laughs> They were sped up, obviously, because he talks extremely slow. So I sped it up a little and not as high, you know. True. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's the UFO thing, I guess. Unless anyone else has anything to add to that. Yeah, I've tried to dig into this more, and this is really all I found is basically two questionable letters. But like, at least the other one, there is actually a letter with the burned memo. Like, where is it? Show me the memo. Continuing. Ask ask not if the UFO killed JFK. (laughs) Ask if they're... (laughs) Ask if JFK killed the UFO? (laughs) Ask if the CIA Uh killed JFK about UFOs? 
halfway through, I realized that it didn't reverse. So, <laughs> it was so let's move on. It was good. All right. All right. So, again, with more kind of CIA security stuff, um, a theory that has kind of come back into prevalence recently um, is the bodyguard theory or the accidental assassination, as it's kind of known. So this theory, um, the basic premise is in this motorcade, um, there is the car that the president is in. He's in the back seat, and um, as we know, the you know single magic bullet theory, the bullet goes through both JFK and the person sitting in front of him, uh, Governor Connolly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it goes through JFK and Governor Connolly. When we look at kind of the magic bullet theory that the Warren Commission put forward, it doesn't line up with like just the trajectory, the angle. If he's in a six you know, the sixth floor of a building that's way too high for this angle to be going through someone's neck and then someone's, you know, like back and through their wrist. Like it just doesn't line up. But if you look at the trajectory of a lower gun, so slightly higher than the president is sitting, but almost to the ground, the trajectory lines up almost perfectly. So basically here's what happened. I'm about to, I'm about to blow the lid off this case guys. All right. So the president's car is driving and behind it is a security like detail car. Um, on the back of this car, the secret service is standing. So you can actually see this in the video. They're standing. Unfortunately, the, the Zapruder film cuts off right that the second car, right? As like everything kind of happens. So you can't see that, but as the car goes by shots are fired and they're non-lethal. So Lee Harvey Oswald or whoever fire shots they're non-lethal <laughs> the motorcade in in the commotion um kind of has different things happen right so the, the kennedy's car slows down but the security detail car behind it stops abruptly so the driver hits the brakes because like shit stuff is happening gun you know shots are being fired um so here's what happened secret service agent george hickey um, riding in the car immediately behind the president, grabbed his Colt AR-15 high-velocity rifle to return fire, and the car stopped suddenly. George Hickey lost his balance and accidentally discharged his weapon, sending a .223 caliber round rocketing into Kennedy's head, the wound that later killed the 35th president. So the reason that this one is really, really interesting is because, as I said, the trajectory lines up almost perfectly. So the back seat of the, of the president's motorcade was raised. So he was sitting a little higher. And if you put the angle as someone standing in the car behind them, it does perfectly line up to go through his neck, through the seat, through the back, through the wrist. Everything lines up perfectly. The other interesting thing about this is that it leads into many other weird points about this case. So um, one of the first weird things is that um, a small handful of testimonies from witnesses smelled gun smoke near the motorcade. Like when shots were fired, they smelled gun smoke immediately around them. They're not going to smell a six story gun smoke. Like no one's going to do that. And maybe, you know, one person is like, oh yeah, I totally smelled smoke. But like, there were a number of testimonies. Multiple people said that they smelled gun smoke. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's like 
there's typically like multiple witnesses. Yeah. And all of the Very things that are conspiracies, stuff. like whether or not Oswald did anything, are the only things that don't have a bunch of witnesses. Right. So, and so going back to last time, I mentioned that in the Zapruder film, they have the timing that's really weird that gives Lee Harvey Oswald a tiny window in order to fire the shots. But if you have a second gunman, it lines up perfectly that there is the shot that is non-lethal. And then there's immediately the shot that is that like, you know, after everyone stops the cars, that shot is fired and it's the one that kills the president. Interestingly, after this, continuing the weird stuff that happens. um, So the Dallas police like scuffled with the Secret Service for the casket because, again, we mentioned that. Um, at this time, presidential assassination was not a felony, so they weren't sure who had jurisdiction. Um, but Secret Service was adamant to get the body. After they got the body, and they, you know, the coroner report was meant to be happening, it's also well known that President Kennedy's brain vanished. In this scuffle, it said that his brain was placed into a file cabinet, or uh, sorry, his brain was placed into, well, it, it was stored in the file cabinet, but it was stored in a metal container. I just imagine, like, the brown like, filed in your brain, comma, Kennedy, comma. Like, in a manila envelope. It's still there. Oh yeah, exactly. God. Okay, but it was stored in a stainless steel container with a screw-top lid, that was placed in, at the time, was placed in a file cabinet in the office of the Secret Service. Eventually, it's made its way to, quote-unquote, a footlocker, along with other evidence, and then to the National Archives, where it was placed in a secure room under the jurisdiction of JFK's former secretary. Um, And then it vanished. There's no record of it since. And it was never found. Why did they keep it? Because they were doing it for the autopsy. They needed to see where the bullets had entered the brain and, like, the damage that it caused. Because you can see, like, it's different than looking at, you know, the damage to the skull because of the impact can make things happen with the outside of the skull. The pressure can happen. But the brain is kind of like a perfect, I don't know, just, like, trajectory of, like, where things have entered, where things have, yeah, like, what's been going on. The other thing about this is if you might remember in my magic bullet theory, they said there was two types of bullets found that they later rescinded to say that there was actually only one type of bullet found. Um, I couldn't find anywhere that would say like, for sure, this is the type of bullet that matches with this gun or anything like that. And I'm not a ballistics expert, so I can't say, oh yeah, totally. It came from my gun. But I do think that that has a little bit of weight to it. The fact that they found two separate bullets and then they rescinded that later. And that the Warren Commission was so determined to say, B. Harvey did, Oswald did this alone. No one else did it. It was no one else. I think it's also interesting to note um, that, yeah, the later, the later Lee Harvey Oswald missed the sh- close range shot. But again, like we said, he made two perfect shots in a very, very small amount of time. Like the greatest like shots to ever be made. Yeah, to ever be made in history. Like how, how is that possible? So yeah, we watched um, a documentary where even the the Russians actually um, tried to test that themselves, and even under like perfect conditions with like their best marksmen who like knew these guns in and out could do it at max. I think they said within three seconds between shots, and that wasn't even yeah. like accounting. And for it needed to be two point two five seconds to yeah. be the perfect because they have it. Yeah, they have that perfectly recorded. Like there is no disputing that. So. It's a problem because 
it really leads to the theory that there are two gunmen. And the fact that they so heavily wanted to say that, no, there was only one gunman, because if there was two gunmen, even if maybe they were trying to quell fear or something, but that seems odd. Maybe, you know, you could say, oh, there was two gunmen, but they acted, it was just them. Like they planned it. One was here, one was here just to make sure that one of them would have a shot or something. And they both happened to fire like right at the same time or something like that. But it's interesting to me that they spent so much effort to say it was one person. Here's exactly how it did it. Like the bullet literally has to make a turn midair. They were, they were more willing to say that than to say there was two shooters. And I think that's kind of something where it's like, are you trying to save face a little bit? You don't, I mean, like that looks really bad to say that like the secret service is the one that killed the president. Even if it was an accident, that looks so bad. Well, I think this so, theory has a lot of like credence to it because I agree. one of the reasons why uh, I, apparently they haven't released a lot of the documents is because it would cause some kind of national security issue. So maybe like, they would have to prosecute the secret service. Yeah. <laughs> like, w- would there have to be repercussions for that? I don't know. Maybe it does have to do something with like the mob and they don't, I don't know. There's still like crap going on with that. But like, this feels very realistic and very probable. Um, in one of the articles I, I was looking at, which was actually on, there was, there's several like very credible articles on this. There's AARP, CNN, like, I mean, like, you know, how, how much truth is there to any conspiracy theory? I don't know, but like people have dedicated their lives to this theory and it's the only one that they really cannot disprove. So like, it's really hard because, you know, you can just be like, well, no, that's not happened. It was Lee Harvey Oswald, but like people smelled fire or smelled gun smoke near the motorcade. The timing works out really perfectly. There's separate kinds of bullets that were found. Like it just, I don't like the, the angle of the trajectory of the bullet, like works out much better than a six story building. Like it just, (laughs) it fits. And, And, And it also doesn't like, it doesn't mean that Lee Harvey Oswald was still the shooter, like the other shooter. You know, like it leaves yeah. room for a bunch of other different theories. Exactly. So I think this it is It just means that like realistic a gun things, yeah. went off and then like shit went wrong, which no surprise. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, let's see. A Kansas City journalist, Bonar Menninger, said, it's not sexy, it's not rife with intrigue, but for that reason, in my mind, it's extremely compelling because it's the only theory that hews tightly to the available evidence. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. Yeah. I think that it's, it's really interesting that, like, there are all these things line up and the fact that they don't want to release the records because, like, that's, like, yeah, it's friendly fire. That's never a good whoops. thing. So, yeah. <laughs> the oh, ultimate yeah. whoops. Yeah. To thousands of conspiracy theories, you know, just your common mistake, your, every, your everyday blunder. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Like, oops, forgot the signal there. My bad, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, it makes sense too because uh, earlier I was reading something that was talking about how close the cars were. So to go over the cars just really briefly, the first car was just the lead car that had uh, the chief and the sheriff and of Dallas, I think, leading the pack and they were a little bit further ahead. And then the second car was... The president, his wife, the governor, his wife, and then the driver and a Secret Service agent next to him. And then the next car behind him was a Secret Service car. And 
the president car and the secret service car were really close, like within only a few feet. Um, and to kind of go into like a different thing, the, they didn't, um, the people investigating the assassination didn't even interview the driver of the secret service car, which was extremely close to the shooting because they have to, they have to stay very close. And, uh, so I think it's I think it's very reasonable that he would have seen something, and the fact that they didn't interview him, I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean that yeah. he they just yeah. didn't want to know the real answer? They knew what happened, and they just didn't want to have yeah. it on record. Plus, the the velocity of the rifle, like having to be able to go through all of those layers, like there's no way that a gun that was as far away as they paint, you know, as they're like, here's the room, and then down the street, and it's like guys it went through two people like all the way through two people and a chair mm-hmm. and a chair yeah it's almost like three people <laughs> <laughs> i know so yeah. Yeah. yeah this is this is a theory that like when people ask me about it i'm like oh baby let's talk about this <laughs> i know that's the one that cam has told me about before mm-hmm. yeah it's like one of the most i don't know compelling is the right yeah. word compelling yeah. that's better mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's one that a lot of people push that's all. That's all I got. <laughs> I can just, I you can. know, Mike, drop it out of here. All right, Jackie, tell us who the real killer was. <laughs> <laughs> tell us the truth. The yeah. Definitive answer, obviously. No. I mean, I think this kind of goes with the Secret Service stuff in just that there are there were th- theories surrounding the fact that the driver killed JFK and that apparently you can see in some of the films that the driver stands up and turns around and shoots JFK. Where I think that this came from was that William Greer, that's the driver's name, he turned around to look at Kennedy before accelerating and getting out of the line of the motorcade um, so that they could go on en route to the hospital. And I mean, that makes sense to me. It's just if you if you're driving and the person that you're driving, the person that you really don't want to get shot gets shot, you probably might turn around and see like, hey, what's going on back there? You know, once you hear shots and <laughs> screams from Mrs. Kennedy and probably the governor's wife as well. So, like, I mean, people claim that they see a gun or that, you know, this gave them an opportunity to shoot him. And I think that this would have been the the shot through the top of his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't disprove the Secret Service theory. I don't know. Maybe William Gray was just like, let's finish this up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Put him out of the misery. Um, yeah. Oh I, <laughs> sorry. Well, wasn't there something about people like believed this because if you watch the videos, it looks like his, his head blows to the back. Mm-hmm. rather than like from the front to the back right yeah because i think there was some speculation that jacqueline reached to the back to grab his brains right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so and and the thing is that i actually don't think that it could have come from the front I, or that's the only logical explanation i think it could have also come from the grassy knoll and have that be kind of similar is like it if he, if the person from the grassy knoll was like enough forward, but to the side and shot the top of his head, it still might've gone like back right behind Jacqueline Kennedy. And yeah. uh, so I, I don't know exactly the weight to this theory, but uh, I do know that Jackie Kennedy was very critical 
of William Greer afterwards in private and said that he had done very little to help JFK at the time of the shooting. Uh, and He's driving. I mean, also, right. like, how much could he have done? Like, by the time he knows it's happening and he hits the gas, like, yeah. what, you know, what can he do? So- and, and not to mention that at this time, he said that he was, the procedures in place, he wasn't allowed to take any actions without orders from the person sitting next to him, which is Roy Kellerman. So it, it makes sense to me why he was hesitant, because he, he wasn't the one giving out orders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a big, big, big part of this um, comes from the Zapruder film, which we already kind of talked about. Uh, but going back into it, so surprisingly, actually, a lot more people believe this than I thought they did, according to YouTube comments, which are just drowning in people that are like so sad, you can clearly see that the driver did it. Now, I did put at the bottom of our outline pictures uh, that we can put in the newsletter that show why people think that the driver did it. And it all has to do with a man's shiny head. Uh, So the man sitting next to the driver has a particularly shiny head. When the driver goes to turn his head, the other man's head shines right at that moment. People think that that's when the driver pulled out a gun. And then as the driver's looking back, that's right when JFK's head explodes. So... It looks perfect, but if you watch the video closely and you don't just watch for when the second shot happens on JFK, you can see that the man's head that's shining is consistently shining uh, throughout this video. I rewatched it several times because I saw so many comments. There are actually a ton of people that believe this. It is really weird. Um, I guess it does kind of look like a handgun. It does. (laughs) And it is weird when you watch it because like he turns his head and then the shine appears. So it looks kind of weird, but like for nobody to see the driver just pop the president right then and there. Yeah. 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 That's the other thing. Well, also like what a terrible time to like do that. You're like, well, just right now, this is, this is the optimal time to assassinate the president. Obviously. Right here in broad daylight. Yeah. In front of a ton of people. Next yeah. to sitting next to many people and with the Secret Service surrounding me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of people on YouTube, at least, that were like, they should have prosecuted the driver. Such a sad thing. Like, there are people that they're not just like questioning it, they're 100% positive because this man has a shiny head that the driver killed the president of the United States. Yeah. It's wow. definitely like if. Even if in this video, like the driver pulled out a gun, I think I'd be more likely to go towards the driver pulled out a gun because he thought maybe someone was behind them. Yeah. I just find it difficult to believe that the driver would even pull out a gun in this situation, though. I mean, I just don't think he would. And he doesn't in the video. Well, and I mean, there were so many other people around that would have had weapons to protect. Like, why put one with the driver? Yeah. And like, if you don't believe us, if you are one of the people, because there are plenty, plenty of people that are in this side of the conspiracy, if you believe that this is the gun, I say go back and watch this operator film. Go back and look for the man who's sitting next to the driver. Watch his head as it shines consistently throughout the video. It's the same exact little white yeah. line, and it's not a gun. It's definitely just this man's over gelled hair. Mm. So. And I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like it kind of proves itself by the fact that there is extremely little evidence supporting the fact that the driver killed JFK. And I know that 
you know, there was a bunch of comments on YouTube, but there were, it's not, it's not like Serena's theory about, you know, the, the secret service agent in the car behind it. It doesn't have like all this evidence supporting it. It doesn't have these like true experts who have done tons and tons of research on the assassination Mm-hmm. writing articles backing it up it doesn't have any of that and that's why i just i don't think it's a very weighty explanation but it's out there and yep. it, it could be one of the only ways that we could understand the shot coming from the front yeah anyone else have anything else about the driver no i think people <laughs> should probably stop going after him yeah Again, just just watch the film again, and you'll well, see you'll he, see that gun dead. Pop up multiple times. He is dead, so I mean, go at him. But <laughs> all right, then. probably his family though. But you know, Loving you know what happened? Words from Jackie. You know, <laughs> you know what happened though? He um the re- the way that he died. At, so I guess he had an ulcer, and then after the assassination, his ulcer just got worse and worse. Aww. And so then eventually he. I think died from cancer, which I'm wondering if that had anything to do with it, with the ulcer. But I, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Like maybe like it was just, I think that it just put him under so much stress that he was driving the car that JFK got shot in, you know? And I just ultimately feel bad for him. And he apologized to Jackie Kennedy. And it's just like, I just feel bad for that man. So I can't possibly really think that he did it anymore. Yeah, and I can see how, like, you would feel in that situation that you've got, like, the weight of all of it on your shoulders because, in theory, under perfect circumstances where you're totally about yourself and everything going on, you could have hit the gas and probably saved the president's life, most likely. Mm-hmm. However, you are one of, like, 100 people that day that could have done something to save the president's yeah. life. Yeah, well, mean, and also, yeah. like, maybe he couldn't have. By the time you realize that first shot through the neck, like, maybe that would have been fatal eventually. Like, right. sure, maybe not initially, but, like, who's to yeah. say? Yeah. It would have definitely done some crazy damage to the president, yeah. you know, if it didn't kill him. So, yeah, I feel like you're right. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people that did that made a lot of mistakes, if nothing else, during this whole entire thing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what we've got for you for part this two. episode for part two. <laughs> Don't worry, there's more. <laughs> there's going to be a part three. We are going yeah. into even more of it. You've been hearing us talk about the grassy knoll. We're going to talk about that. We're going to bring up the KGB a bit. Go into into a umbrella. And then, yeah, yeah, the Illuminati to cap it all off. So definitely come back for that next week. Remember that you can message us and let us know what you think about things. Let us know if you believe that we're wrong about the driver or if you think it's the bodyguard. Who did it? It's a classic whodunit, uh, but there's not a lot of evidence for certain things and there's a ton of evidence for others, but it has to be one thing, so... Who knows what it is? We're, Do you know where the brain it. went? Because let me yeah, like, if anyone if anyone knows know where the brain went, <laughs> hit us up. Do you just have a metal box with JFK's brain in it? If like if like you're, you're like oh that's what that is. Been yeah. wondering for years. <laughs> if, there, if there's been like something that's mm-hmm. up on your wall that looks like a brain, like a family heirloom, or, you're like, not a, or like a giant dried raisin, <laughs> whatever it looks like at this point in time, um, I don't know. Someone just thought it was like old leftovers. They just tossed it. <laughs> what's this meatloaf doing oh in a filing God. cabinet <laughs> someone's lunch apparently oh my god <laughs>
Oh, that's bad. <laughs> all right. Well, let us We're know. Let us know what you think about all that. Let yeah. us know what you think happened. Uh, remember, you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and we also have a newsletter at it's tinyletter.com slash conspiracy what slash conspiracy what we put all kinds of interesting stuff in there you can get a rundown of each episode even if you're not sure if you want to listen to that episode check out the newsletter because then you never know you know it might be interesting we find all kinds of weird conspiracies that are weirdly interesting uh we also started a kofi oh that's right yeah yeah so if you like the podcast and you want to support us more than just listening you can drop us couple dollars or so on that Kofi and that address is Kofi.com slash conspiracy. What? That's Kofi with a K. If you commit a murder but donate to the Kofi, then you we actually are legally supposed to protect you. No. Not <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you guys are putting this out on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and excuse myself from that conversation with Serena as well. Uh, anyway, so yeah, you can donate to that. Uh, it just helps keep the show running. Uh, helps put down some of the costs of keeping the show and us talking about random conspiracies. Also keeps us from putting ads on this bitch. Also that, which we are trying yep. to yep. avoid. But hey, you know, you could always try to bribe us if you want us to talk about a topic. Like, see how that works. Yeah. Also that. You um, give us money, we do your topic. Yeah. Unless it's like racist or something. And if we can, if we can eventually like move into it too, we do eventually want to put out like more physical content too, like shirts or buttons or whatever it might be. Merch. 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 Uh, but yeah, so let us know uh, what you think about the show. Don't forget also to give us, you know, five star reviews. Let us know how terrible we are in those five star reviews. Uh, that's the best way to get our <laughs> attention, really. I'll notice it a lot quicker. But yeah, anyway, until the next episode, uh, and all the way through to that time, I'm Cameron. I'm Allie. I'm Serena. I'm Jackie. <laughs> all right. And for all of our other hosts, thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember to stay stitious and... File your brains correctly. <laughs> thank you. Remember to stay stitious and file your brains correctly. Thank you don't so much for listening. Don't ask about the UFOs or you're going to die.